back on their way to or maybe have just started maybe a, a getaway or a vacation of some sort. So keep those people in your prayer for safety as we will you when maybe you take a trip. Um, I've actually opted, my wife and I have opted not to take a vacation this year. Uh, we're doing a lot of work to our basement and kind of investing in our home just a little bit and doing some things in the backyard. And I'm going to bring up a point a little bit later, but we took out about six what seemed to be about 90-foot trees. It was a huge job. It saved me about three or $4,000 doing it ourselves with the, the, with the help of three or four other people. So you know who you are. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'll bring that up a little bit later and maybe make a point with that. But um, this morning's message, if you saw in the video, a lot of times we try to avoid and escape from hardship and the storms of life. And obviously everything we try to cover ourselves with, an umbrella with a hole in it, a piece of fabric that's kind of riddled with holes and different things, and we don't realize the entire time that storm is actually meant to purge and to cleanse and to encourage and to kind of mold and shape us um, into a place and a position where God can receive even more glory from our lives, from our broken lives. Amen? Um, so this morning, I, I had a couple of different options, but I want to I name this morning's message, Reigning with Christ. And I want to explain that because a lot of times when I look at that different scriptures in the Bible, and I was really excited to give my heart to God in the very beginning, and um, we always think like, you know, there's a scripture in 2 Timothy 2.12, I think, that talks about um, Paul and Timothy, they're talking about suffering with Christ so that we may reign with Christ. And we talk about, um, we always think for some reason that that's suffer now in this life, and there is even religious fanatics that will cause harm to themselves because they think that's what they're supposed to do is actually suffer, um, and they think that brings glory to God. But this life without causing yourself to suffer has enough suffering in itself, amen? Um, so suffering with Christ equals being able to reign with Christ, but I want to suggest to you this morning that that is for now here on earth. Reigning with Christ is for now. It's not just when you go to heaven and the suffering of this world is over and then going to heaven and being able to reign with Christ. That's for now. While you are still on this earth, after coming through these sufferings, being able to reign in the resurrection power of Christ and having weight to your speech to be able to minister to others. Because I'm telling you, um, by the Spirit of God, there's not a whole lot of people that read the Word anymore, not a lot of Christians that read the Word anymore. And if you, are in, if you are a parent, if you are somebody who deals with maybe the millennial generation, you know that the, that generation is simply not reading their Bible anymore. They don't know the Word of God. Stories that should be as simple as what you would first learn as someone in Sunday school, they don't know even the basic main characters of the Bible. They don't know anything. So the only Bible that they're going to read is you. That's it. And I'm daring to say that we are a lot closer than we think to his return. And God is wanting to use us for people to read, to find some hope, because all our glory is pointing to God. And it gives them this testimony of weakness that we have is an attractive thing to the people on the outside because it gives them hope. Um, so have talking about reigning with Christ now, um, have you ever been in a, a horrible place, a God-awful place, uh, an indescribable, unfathomable place where you just want to escape it? You just want to get out of it. And you're not even seeing God in it. So you're thinking, what's the point so just let me, get me out of here. Like David said, if I have wings like a dove, I just want to fly away from here. I would be better living in the wilderness to be in this place. So if you've ever maybe spoken or uttered these words to someone or even to God, that I'm in a horrible place, I'm suffering, I'm being afflicted. A lot, I'm not talking about, you know, we cause a lot of these things ourselves. Um, we self-inflict a lot of issues. I'm not talking about willful sin and practice. I'm talking about maybe you are discouragement, you are discouraged or your faith is maybe somewhat fractured because you don't see the purpose 
of this place that you might be in. I'm suggesting to you this morning that it's out of this place that is going to birth an unbelievable move of God, maybe even one last outpouring of God's Spirit in our nation, on this town, in this church, an opportunity for people to flood uh, to the churches and to have some hope again because they see finally a hope that's not being masqueraded by saying, if you come to Christ, your life will be better. When we know that if you've been with Christ for any length of time, you know that that's not true. It rains on the just and the unjust. We go through all kinds of different hardship so that God can get glory from that and that we can say it is God and God alone and it has nothing to do with my life. And that gives people great hope and encouragement. Those of you that are worshiping out of a place that, that is from a deep place of possible tragedy, those of you that don't worship God, you don't understand it, you haven't submitted yourself to God. It's just that simple. Maybe you're here for the first time, you're trying to understand what this is all about. But those people that have come from a, a horrible, unspeakable place that God has brought them through, they can come out of that and they can point to God. And it gives people on the outside a lot of encouragement. So um, the definition of a horrible place, and this is going to go into how, how do I reign with Christ now? So the, the definition of an awful place or a horrible place is, is extremely bad. Have you ever been in an extremely bad place? Have you ever been in an unpleasant place? A disagreeable place. I don't agree with this. I don't agree that I should be in this circumstance right now where the waves are crashing over my head and I can't seem to find a way out. Have you ever been in a place that inspires fear? That's part of the definition. It inspires fear. And we know that that's not God because he hasn't given us that spirit of fear. So this is where David was in Psalm 55, 4 through 6. <clears throat> Excuse me, it says, My heart is sore pained within me, and the terrors of death are fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling are come upon me, and a horror hath overwhelmed me. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then I would fly away, and then I could finally find rest from this awful place. Now, I'm not suggesting that I have been through unbelievable circumstances compared, excuse me, compared to those that are being martyred uh, for their faith, dying for their faith, being drawn and quartered, sawn asunder, a bullet to the head. I haven't been through that yet, and that's not my goal. But that is not to say that that may not happen in this nation. You may be put to... And I'm telling you that if you haven't been through these tragedies, through these sufferings, you may not be able to stand in that time. So I'm, I'm asking you this morning, don't don't... Don't resist hardship. Don't resist your trial. Find the glory of God where you are right now. Right now. If you resist, you are kicking against the very work of God that God is trying to do in your life. You are kicking against the very testimony that he wants to build in your life. <clears throat> So if we kick against that, we'll never know the glory of God and what it's like to reign with Christ now on earth. You'll never know. And it'll just be a huge, those I believe are gonna be the tears that God wipes away on that day of regret, of if I could have just stopped doing this or if I could have just submitted myself entirely to God. I, I believe that's the cry of a lot of hearts in here, but there's still some things to be done as far as submission to the lordship of Jesus. Um, so basically that scripture in modern times, it would say, if I could just figure a way to get out of here, um, life would be a whole lot better. If you uh, maybe have a circumstance in your life or you're presently in a place that you have recently, maybe you've recently walked out of such a place, that I'm telling you God is, is speaking to you today. Some of you are coming out of these things today. Some of you are headed in them and you don't want to go there. Some of you are in them and you're trying to get out of them or you're trying to embrace God and find God and the glory of God in them. <clears throat> so Psalms 55, 7 and 8 says, Lo, then I would wander afar off and remain in the wilderness. I would 
quickly escape from the windy storm and the tempest. I just want out. In the end times, the times that we're in now, where everything is falling apart, humanistically speaking, everyone's plans are failing, there's only one thing that we can cling to, one thing. It's the cross that's kind of shaped like an anchor that holds us through all of these trials that people will be attracted to. And you mo- a lot of times you won't have to say a whole lot. They're going to examine your life and they're going to say, that person has been through some serious tragedy or some hardship or some times where they could have turned their back on God and not trusted him, but they chose to continue to follow him. And that's an attractive testimony. So we don't have to go in, in, in Psalms into all the things that David went through. Most of us know the things that David went through. Committing adultery and getting someone pregnant and sending his, her husband to be killed on the front lines and then covering it up and then all these different things that David was going through in, in secret. And then he was wondering, well, God must have, have lifted his call on my life, his anointing from my life. He found himself in an awful place that he just wanted to escape to the point where he said, if I have wings like a dove, just get me out of here. I'd rather be in the wilderness. So this, in a very practical sense, can, can be absolutely anything. Anything. Something that has caused you to be absolutely distraught in this life. Not having a job, not being able to find work. Struggling with your weight. These, these are things that the enemy will take and completely put you into a trench of depression. These are simple things. We always name the main sins. Swearing, cursing, alcohol, tobacco, drugs, pornography. We always name these things. But it can be anything that the, the enemy and the system of this world, if you are trying to cling and hold on to that ship like the Titanic, when it's sucked down, it sucks everything down. It's going to pull you down with it. And we try to hang on and we come to church clinging to these things, asking pastor to bless us in our circumstance while we want to continue to cling to these things and not let go, not realizing that if we do let go, it will spare our lives. So we don't have to go into all of David's trouble, but basically, and this is typically the case where the trouble that we deal with usually has to do with ourselves or other people. People. People can be your best friends and your worst enemy. People in every organization and, and um, uh, nonprofit organization, business, anything at all. People are your most appreciable asset, but they're also your greatest problem. Our problems most of the time are with people. And David's trouble was with Saul amongst others, and his life was being sought after to be killed. And so we don't have to go into all of that, but the bottom line is, is that David just wanted to get out, just like you and I, and get away. He wanted to get away from the strife and, the, and to escape from all the criticism, and he wanted to find a place of rest and peace. Doesn't that sound nice? If I could just escape the voices in my head at night when, they, when I lay down on my pillow and I can't sleep because my children are running from God and I've been praying for my unsaved spouse for 25 or 30 years and we the devil has a way of bombarding our mind with the barrage of harassment and accusations amen so have you ever come to the realization that you don't see anything of God in these places now the idea is I want to reign with Christ well how do you do that and you have to understand the context of what they were talking about in Timothy when they said that. By no means will I suggest that I have been through unbelievable hardship, but I've been through a lot of deaths in my family. I've been through a cancer scare, 09 to 2010, with my own wife. I've been through uh, the uh, not being able to have children for over a decade. You know, and these things that the enemy will, will just attack you with, attack, but I'm, I'm telling you, anybody can stand behind the pulpit and encourage somebody with the scripture. Anybody can do that. And I'm not suggesting that I have a whole lot of weight yet, but I remember asking pastor on Dogwood Lane when he lived there. This was probably six or seven years ago. 
And this is after I've been saved for a while. And I remember the excitement of getting saved and growing up in church my whole life, but at 16, really committing and devoting myself to Christ. And then, I don't know, years and years later, probably six or seven years ago, I said, Pastor, I call him Pastor Dad, but I say, I said, is there any way that God can speed things up? Because I just want to rule and reign now. I want to reign with Christ now. Wouldn't it be great to reign in life without valleys? How easy would that be? We're just going to reign with Christ. Because God says, you know, the battle's won. We, it's just, we, get, we get to reign with Christ. And I said, is there any way God can speed up this seasoning, this maturity? And, and, and I remember him saying, well, God can do whatever he wants. Sure he could. And we gave the example of Nehemiah building the wall and how fast it was built because of the circumstance. So yeah, God can do anything, but... but <laughs> I would say close to 100% of the time, growth and maturity doesn't come without serious tragedy, hardship, doubt. That's where you meet God. So don't kick against these things this morning. So the place, it starts to look dark, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. You don't find any purpose to it. You don't see any reason why why you should remain in it. And you may even consider this to be an evil place. And the enemy will be right there with all of his lies and he'll somehow convince you that you have angered God, that, that God is mad at you and you should just leave. And understand the video, that's where God's deepest work is taking place. And I know that I'm talking to some people that have been there. There's some people, everybody goes through hardships, but it's how you embrace those things. Some people are dealing with so much unforgiveness and bitterness right now because they haven't embraced the glory of God in their current circumstance. And you've been living that way for maybe 5, 10, or 20 years. And you just want out. I'm telling you, don't kick against what God is trying to do in your life. Because it's this very testimony that's going to be attractive to the world one more time. That's going to be looking for hope and, and, and resources and prayer and, and comfort and peace. They're going to be on the streets. These, this church might be packed again, but it's not going to come without a price in the day that we live in. God's looking for these people that he can show his glory in and through so it can be an attractive to a world that has no idea what to do or where to turn. And, and you might think, I just want to get out of this place and I just want to be at rest. I, I want to go off and just you know, build a cabin in the woods and just be there in the wilderness and just stay in the wilderness. And that, that's where we would stay. And I'd be happy there. But I'm telling you, you, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. This reminds me of my, how many of you have cats, dogs, pets? Actually domesticated in the house, out of the house, pets. My, I'm sure this is just like your cats and your dogs, but no matter what side of the door, that your dog or cat is on, always want to be on the other side of the door. Amen? I'm telling you, you can learn a lot from that. You can learn that the eyes of man are never satisfied. I always want to be somewhere else. So you can't say, well, I'll be happy there. You won't be happy there. You won't be happy. It's time to find the glory of God and reign with Christ in our current circumstance. Now. So David would, would have liked to have reigned without any suffering. I say, yeah, I would like that too. It would be awesome if we could just reign in life without any valleys, but that's not realistic. And, and, I, and I remember, again, I, I first got saved, I was excited in it. And I even remember pursuing, I did about six months worth of Bible college. And then I thought, God, if you're going to call me into the ministry, I want you to call me. I don't want to try to make something that I'm not supposed to do. I just want to pray for your will. What do you want to do? So I stopped about six months after doing Bible college, and um, it was maybe a year and a half later. I was the youth pastor, and um, I, I was really excited. But I had no idea what was going to lie ahead in different hardships and tragedies. And Some of you have been through a million times worse than me, but what are you doing with it? Are you holding on? to God through it all? Do you have weight to your speech when you talk to people? 
And it's not just the scripture to comfort them. And you have no idea because you didn't come out of it. You're still mumbling and grumbling through it. And you never came out of it. So all you have is just a scripture to quote that has no weight. I'm telling you, this is what's going to attract a world that is looking. Those who are on the threshold, the brink, the cusp of making a decision, you might be the way to do that. And it's whether you embrace these storms in your life. So, and I, you know, there's a lot of immaturity when you first get saved. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of enthusiasm and passion. But there's a lot of immaturity. I just wanted everything right then. I don't want to have to do it. I just want to reign with Christ right then. Let's just get this raining on. Let's reign with Christ now. But as I said earlier, I was cutting trees down. I had a few people helping. and I mean, it's like sending a four-year-old kid into the woods with a chainsaw and saying, hack that forest down. Do you understand that there has to be some seasoning and some maturity in your walk with God? You can't just automatically wish you had these traits or God-given traits and abilities and to be able to minister to people and to bring people hope and joy and peace. And I'm telling you that it doesn't just happen. Past three years, my preaching has changed, even over in the youth ministry. Because I started to say, God, I'm not living like this anymore. I'm, I'm going to find you in this circumstance. Not try to kick against these things and get out of it. Because this is the deep work that you want to do. If you keep me here and I embrace where you have me. Someone said on Facebook the other day, why do all these things have to happen all at once? Usually when it rains, it pours, does it not? It's not just one thing. It's one thing, domino effect after another. This breaks, that breaks, that goes. Your kids are acting up. Your wife is yelling at you. You lose your job. It's all at once usually. And we don't think that could be of God, that maybe he's been trying to get our attention to be able to embrace him through these storms. So we need to ask ourselves, why why would this awful place need to be at all? Now, we're talking about how do you reign with Christ now, not later? What's the purpose of this awful, awful place? I thought I was supposed to be happy when I was saved, and there is unspeakable joy and gladness. But 2 Timothy 2.12 says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Now the context of this, because we, we think, well, we'll just suffer now for Christ and we'll reign later in heaven, or we take that as, I just want to reign. And Jesus kind of answers it in Luke 9, 23 and 24. And he said to them, everyone, most of you have heard this. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. And I always looked at that scripture and I thought, well, if I lose my life, if I um, lose my life for Christ, uh, I'll, I'll go to heaven in the end. If I save my life, life, or if I preserve my life, you know, things aren't going to be good at the end for me. There's a hell as well. And I thought it only had to do like eternally, but that, God kind of showed me that's, 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 that's for now. That's not, you know, if I go through this life unselfishly, I can enter into the kingdom of God. But he was showing me that we hang on to a lot of things. We hang on and we cling to all this the system that the world offers of this humanistic idea that this is what brings happiness. This is what brings satisfaction and fulfillment. And we hold on to those things and we will, we will lose what Christ has for us in this life. That's scary. To think that if I can't let go of this, I'll never experience life on earth the way God intended it to be experienced by me now. So if we seek to preserve what we think life is and what life should be, like the media tells you all the time, it tells you to give your money to this and lose weight and do this and you'll be rich and all these different things. Oh, it's telling you what life should be all the time. And Christ is saying, this has nothing to do with the life that I'm telling you about. 
It has nothing to do with it. In fact, I would venture to say that the people that are being tortured right now and people that are locked up in prisons for just because they love Jesus are experiencing so much more of the glory of God than we are and that we ever will if we never embrace these things. Don't you want to experience this now? Don't you want weight to your speech? Don't, don't you want to be able to encourage somebody with having gone through a trial and coming out of the other end of the fire victoriously and saying, this is what God and God alone has done and he can do it for you. We get a, a wrong idea of what the gospel is. I love it when pastor said, uh, I don't know if it was a post or a tweet or something where he said, share what you know and live up to what you share. That's it. That's the gospel. What God has done for me, he can do for you. That's the gospel. It's not the memorization of this and that. God knows if you're paraphrasing a scripture, it says it still's not going to come back void because that's the word in your heart. So we don't have to do all these things. Isn't it amazing to be able to walk with God in his strength and not our own? So we're going to lose the life that God has in Christ and the, the, the life that he is destined for us to have. So if we seek to save our image, these, these goals, these dreams, these ambitions, I'm, so many people are getting caught up in lifestyles that are taking them away from God's purpose. And they don't even mean for it to happen because they're so desperate, but they're not willing to seek God in that circumstance. They want to escape it and try something easier. Our idea, even our idea of religion. So, and we think that the, our idea of religion should have these certain ideals or this is the way I, I deem religion should be, so this is the way I'm going to live. And God says, no, you're trying to carve this out by yourself. You're going to lose your life if you seek to save all these ideas and try to do this your own way. So what he has done for you and I is something much deeper. It's more powerful. It's more glorious because the idea is for God to get the glory from our lives. And it's something that is motivated in love by his resurrected life. And, I, you know, I read all these scriptures, you talk about baptism and uh, um, he died once and he rose once, therefore be baptized and be resurrected into the life of Christ. Well, if you've been baptized and you are so far gone from God, why is that? Because we're trying to save ourselves. All you see all over the world and all over this town and nation and country, city, county, are people trying to run around and just save themselves. That's all they're doing. They're trying to look out for their finances, for their families. Look out for me. I'm just trying to make sure that I'm okay. And they're trying to save themselves through all these different ideas. And the result of that is they are losing the life in Christ that he has said, I can give you now on this earth. If you seek to save that and preserve that, you will lose your life that God has for you now on this earth. This is going to cultivate a move of God if the people of God can embrace this. Don't kick against these things. So we're trying to run around and, and, and save our lives on a, all the humanistic, that's all life is, is just how humans perceive life. They're doing the best they can. It's basically like shoving a square peg into a round hole and just trying to get it to fit. And Acts 17, 18 says, Paul says, in him we live and move and we have our being. This, this is, what, this is the, the life that Christ says, I don't want you to lose that. I want you to, have, I want you to live in me. I want you to have your being in me. I want you to move in me. So Jesus, having an understanding of all of this type of suffering, the understanding of the will of his Father, he'd taken up the cross, knowing where the cross was going to lead him. Now, th this is a, a, amazing. Knowing where the cross was going to, to lead him, and he was aware of the kind of life that he was going to have to live on this earth. Fully uh, being made aware and acknowledging the adversity that he was going to walk into. So why didn't Jesus just go straight to the cross? Why do you have to go through 33 years of, of criticism and ridicule and mockery and and then even from the Last Supper, why do you have to go through all the stuff that he went through before that and Calvary, Gethsemane? Why do you have to go through all these things? What, certainly he knew that he was going to be crucified. Maybe at age eight. We'll get it over with. Maybe, surely at age 12 when he's in the temple and he's preaching, why didn't he just go to the cross at the age of 12? 
if he knew that he was on earth to die for us? At 18, why didn't he just go and get it over with? Why all this suffering? Why all, why all these things? Telling you because it was the only way God was going to receive glory. And it's the same with us. You want to reign with Christ? You got to suffer with Christ. That's what it says. And we have our own idea of what suffering should be or should feel like. And it's usually never what ends up coming our way. And in our own strength, we can't handle anything. Thank God for that. So he had an understanding of all of this. And if you think about it, he knew what was going to become of his life. He knew that he had to be sacrificed. He knew the purpose of his life. It was to redeem mankind of our sin. And, and it's in these horrible, most God-awful places where his glory can be revealed. You know, it's it, it, during the Last Supper and the final nailing to the cross and in between the Last Supper and the cross. The cross was just the issue. Just go to the cross and get it over with. He could have just died there quickly. So why did he have to be betrayed for money? To suffer betrayal. Why did he have to face an angry crowd in Gethsemane? Why? Why did he have to stand before uh, all these um, uh, religious accusers? Why? What was he trying to show us in these moments? I'm, I'm, I'm 35 years old, and I, and I think that maybe for the first time in the past three years, I'm starting to maybe understand Christianity. Maybe. A little. What it is to, to be a Christian, a little Christ, Christ-like, and to endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Many people fall away because they're not willing to go through these things that God wants to get all the more glory for that He could be doing in your life. You could be in an impossible place right now. Impossible. I'm telling you, the timing of where we are in the world, I believe, like I, uh, I even may have prayed it last Sunday morning that there are sleeper cells in this church. People that are going through things and suffering different things. No one knows about them. And they're not willing to share. Then we can't partake in the victory and the celebration of those things as a body. And if you don't do that, you're more susceptible to go right back into bondage. Some of you are wanting out so bad. Some of you are wanting God to get the glory from your life so bad. I'm encouraging you this morning that it's in these places where you start to reign with Christ and your life just starts to shine without any effort. Hallelujah. So why did he have to be na nailed to the cross and, and even numbered amongst the thieves? Why did he have to go through this? Why did he have to suffer being um, despised and rejected by the, his own creation? Why did he have to go through this? Why did he have to go through the humiliation and people rending his garments and casting lots over them? Why do you have to see, why do you have to go through all of this? He's trying to show us things. What was the point of all these horrible places? I'm telling you, it's to bring God glory through his life. So there's a, there's a, a path for you and a path for me. And it's probably not what you think. It's probably not what you planned. But it's, it's a prescription for you. It is a prescribed path that if you will just follow, this is how God gets the maximum amount of glory from your life, is if you don't kick against these, these horrible places. That's how you reign with Christ. You come out of the other side of the suffering, like Jesus did after the resurrection, and he came back on earth while he was still in human form, and he was reigning after suffering. Through the suffering, now reigning. In human form still before he ascends up into heaven. Not in heaven. Right then, he starts to reign after the suffering. He's modeling that for us. You can reign with Christ now after you go through these horrible places. And God's showing me these things. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's a little bit of a chore. I got to drag myself 
up and think, you know, what's the point of this? If nothing's going to change, why pray about it? Why pray for it? If God's just going to do whatever he wants, why spend time in the prayer closet sweating over something he already has mapped out? And then we fall away from God. And we lose it. I'm telling you, stay devoted. Stay faithful to God. Some of you are backslidden now. You're here, but you're here to save yourself. You're here to save your image. And while you're doing that, you are right now losing the life that Christ has for you. You are in a pew right now, currently losing the life Christ has for you because you're seeking to save and preserve yourself. That's the church all over America. Last week's message, repentance, this is where it starts. So people are running around just all over the place trying to save themselves when we have the remedy. We have it. And you have more of a weighted remedy when you come through these things and you're like, God's faithful. Not because I'm telling you, great is thy faithfulness, but because I've gone and been through the fiery trials, I've come out, I have a word from God, I have a testimony, God has built my strength and my faith in him, I'm resting on and in him, and now I have weight to my speech, where people recognize that. They recognize the authority in it, but they also recognize the tenderness. Psalms 22, this is Jesus speaking. In Psalms 22, verse 6, he says, I'm a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, a, a despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They, sh- they shoot out the lip and they shake the head, saying, He trusteth on the Lord, who will never deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help me. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset round about. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water and all my talks, the form of the crucifixion, right? I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax and it's melted in the midst of my bowels. This is Jesus speaking. My strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. And be not thou far from me, O Lord, my strength. Be quick to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. This is Jesus speaking. Sounds like some suffering going on. So again, he's modeling this. You are, you are going to go through this life with a lot of heartache and frustration, and sometimes questioning your faith in God. So an example, again, I'll give you is a, a man thinking that he, he has everything all together, and he's holding on to the, the ideals of the world and the humanistic views of the world. It's like, this will bring me happiness, that will satisfy, and he's hanging on to, to the ship as the ship breaks and starts going down, and the water and the draft, they're going to suck him right down to the bottom in the depths of the deep blue ocean. And he's clinging and hanging on because he doesn't want to let go. And then like pastor will come or, or Jace or, or Bruce is even sometimes referred to as the hammer. And he's hanging on to the ship and the pastor and the, the, the pastor comes and speaks to you a word and I know that this is of God this morning and he starts to take the hammer of the word and he starts to slam your fingers to let go. And, and that's not comfortable for us. And the word, this hammer, it starts to let go and you're barely hanging on. And he's like, surely the pastor is not going to, to hit on this this morning. Surely he's not gonna talk about this issue and as the hammer comes out again, the word comes. And, and, and little do we know, it saves us. It spares our lives. So we're not taken down to the depths of the sea in the system of the world that we think that we need to hold on to. And the result is we're free 
and now we can reign with Christ. You don't think that suffering, there's a lot of suffering that goes on with hanging on to sin. Because the people of God know that it's sin. And they, they're uncomfortable. And God makes them uncomfortable. And he makes their pillow a rock at night so they can't sleep. And they know what they're to be doing. And all the time God's trying to break the grip of you from this world not knowing that it's sparing your life. Hanging and clinging on to sin is a dangerous, dangerous place. And there's suffering, mental anguish and turmoil that goes on with that. But when you finally let go, your life is spared. Not, not seeking to save and preserve that life that is inevitably sinking, but now gaining a life with reigning with Christ now. Now. And I hope that you desire this. So many people, even Christian people, we're like this. We come to church desperately clinging to all kinds of different setbacks and old thinking, hoping a pastor won't get out the hammer of the word. This is what we need. He's trying to save us. Just bless me in my circumstance as we keep clinging to our condition, our current condition. And he takes out the hammer of the word and he starts hitting their fingers. Think of Moses. You have Moses suffering in the wilderness. He, 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 he left the palace. He thought his life was going to be beginning and ending in the palace. A life of greatness. A life in a palace. Sometimes as Christians we think that's what life should be. A place where he thought maybe the whole purpose of his life was going to end up, start and begin and end and letting go of um, all of these, the thought that the purpose of his life was to bring him to a place where he was able to lead many to freedom. And he found, he didn't know that. How could he have possibly known that? And he was given a call by God to deliver the people out of Egypt, but he totally, like we do all the time, you, we misread how God wants to do this. We're misreading how God wants to bring us freedom and how he was supposed to do it. And it resulted in failure and, and Moses just fled into the wilderness. But it was in the wilderness where he encountered God. There's a few people in here that know exactly what's going on this morning. And I hope that many of you embrace this. So this was the journey that God had Moses on. He met God and he came out with something so deeply worked, I'm telling you, that cannot be learned in a textbook. It cannot be learned the way maybe I've been trying to learn these things years and years in the past. Just through memorizing scripture, which is good. But God has a prescribed path for you. If you're not willing to take it, he's not going to get the glory from your life. What a sad, sad thing. The Holy Spirit does this work. It's a deep work. So I believe with all my heart that if you allow God to do this, that he, after that, after you come through the scripture, says, strengthen thy brother. After that, he now has a vessel that he can work through with less effort on the vessel's part. Amen efforts a drag I'm not talking about don't I'm, I'm work in the kingdom of God but if you think it's your own strength you will be sorely disappointed so disappointed so frustrated so confused you let God down you failed it didn't work and then the enemy comes in and you're done if he can steal that confidence away that you have in your Christ so this is the journey that God had Moses on Think about Paul. <clears throat> when Paul was saved, the Holy Spirit went to Ananias and told him, I will show this man great things that he must suffer for not my name's sake. You're going to show me what I have to suffer. So you know Paul's testimony is being taken from an awful place to another. He goes through shipwreck. He goes through being beaten and betrayed and stranded and 
So God looked down and he says, after, after he had gone through all that, I, I don't really like this and want this, but after he had gone through all that, then he says, now I have a vessel that I can put a pen in the hand of Paul and he can start to write in that prison cell. I, I don't have a whole lot of weighted speech without going through these trials and just saying, yeah, God is good. How do you, you, people, sometimes when people say that, they haven't been through anything. So they're just either repeating something that they've heard or they're trying to trust Scripture. But when you go through and come out the other side, you can say from the spirit of your gut, God is good. He is faithful. He brought me through this. I think there's a a lot of people here today that once you start to do this, hell's going to begin to shake at the church of Jesus Christ. Maybe just one last time. So Paul found God in these horrible places and that's why him and Silas could sing praises in the midst of their prison, an inner prison. I'm telling you, hell was probably shaking that day. It was a bad day for the enemy. And, And they found him in one of the most horrible places in a prison cell. You talk about, I know John goes to the jail and takes some people with him. There's this jail talk that uh, you give your life to Christ just because of bad circumstances and then things are supposed to get better, but that's not what we're talking about. They're praising God in the midst of their storm. They were already right with God, and they were put in prison merely because of their faith and their love for Jesus. So that's why Paul is saying in Timothy, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So the opposite of that would be, if we don't suffer we won't know what it's like to reign with the Lord Jesus here on earth. Don't resist God's hand working in your life, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. This is an encouraging message today, saying that if you cling to God, you will reign with Christ. You will reign with Christ. There's a lot of people here today that probably desperately want to say, why why am I even in this place? Some of you have been stuck for seven years, a long time, 20 years, maybe several months, and that's all you can handle. Maybe it's just been two weeks, and you're just like, how much more? And all along, that's where God's doing his deepest work. Don't fight it, because it's a beautiful work that only God can do. You're not realizing that the Lord's preparing you for hard times that are coming in this nation. I think that he's doing that, and a lot of people aren't making people aware of this, but I think in this church, a lot of people are going through some seriously difficult times. And, you're, and it is prep, preparation for what's to come in our country. Let God do it. Let him do it. Then you'll be ready. Because there's, there's going to be a lot of people bail out on God because they don't know what it's like to suffer and then reign with Christ. People are going to need a a new direction. They're going to need a way out of uh, their bondage and their captivity. And they're going to need things, resources, maybe food, stuff that we are hoarding to ourselves in our cellars, canning stuff, waiting for something to get bad. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but God is wanting you even in those hearts. You don't think he has the ability to miraculously multiply your canned beans and feed an army? If you are generous with your resources, you won't be generous with your resources. If you're seeking to save and preserve your own life, you'll lose it. You'll lose what God wants to do through you here and now. What an amazing opportunity we have to reign with Christ and experience his miraculous power after going through some things and saying, God is faithful. He will do this. He will take care of us. And we can have this life now. So just to kind of start to bring this to a close, there's a, a lot of, of men and women and boys and girls who, who know a lot about God, you know God, you have found them in these horrible places. A lot of you are reigning with Christ because you have come out victoriously on the other side, and now you're going right back into another circumstance that is causing your faith to be fractured and all in disarray but you know from the previous battle that God's faithful and you'll cling to him 
and then it'll build your faith and your strength, his strength in you even more. And you'll be even more ready in him. Reigning with Christ now. The first thing that Jesus did after he rose from the dead was to speak hope into desperate and situations that were full of despair. So a lot of people think that, think of suffering as, as now and reigning as later is in heaven. But I, I, I'm telling you that Jesus wants to reign in you now on earth. If we suffer, we will reign. So he rose from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost. He was a victor over death. He had suffered, but now he was living on the other side of that suffering. He was still in human form. He was still on planet earth. And he was reigning on planet earth as a human after coming through the suffering. He had already won the victory. Didn't need to be won. It was already won. It was won. And he was reigning. And he came back in John 20, 11, And the scripture tells us that Mary Magdalene had lost her hope in that horrible place. And Jesus spoke with, with all this authority, but with a, with a softness, which is what we have to do with people, is to be, have an authority, but a, being tender and delicate with people as well which doesn't just happen automatically. It comes from coming through the mercy of God and being able to explain that to people. So the first thing he did was speak hope and peace and out of that d desperate situation of despair was showing them how to reign with Christ. So when you've gone through suffering and hardship, you've trusted God, you're reigning with him. You're reigning with Christ. Amen. And you've, you've gone through all these things. God's hand has kept you in the midst of all of these different things. He's lifted you out of a place that would have swallowed anybody else that doesn't know how to suffer with Christ, therefore to reign with Christ. So Mary had lost all of her hopes. She, uh, the things that she thought would bring her freedom, it looked to be dead. It looked to be dead to all the disciples. They were discouraged. They went back to the boat and started fishing again. But Jesus came and just spoke her name in John 20, 15. Why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? And it was him. Immediately changed the situation. That is the power and the potential that we have in people's lives. To immediately walk in and completely change and bring people out of despair and bring people out of captivity and bring people out of bondage. That is in us. So about reigning with Christ is the power to speak words of life which bring people out of these things. Reigning with Christ is the power to speak a few words with such tenderness that prison doors are unlocked. The wounded heart is healed. The hopeless can, can find hope again. Blinded eyes can see what they didn't see before. All because you came out of it and are reigning with Christ and have words of hope and peace and comfort. And I'm almost reluctant to say people that have not suffered with Christ, if you have not suffered, it's, 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 it's absolutely difficult to, to know Christ in this capacity. So I'm asking you to please don't kick against what God wants to do. He appeared to the upper room, the disciples where they had gathered, the they, they were afraid. If you remember this bunch, they were very fearful. They felt like their, their, their assurance, their hope, their, their strength, their Savior was gone, was lost. They started to doubt all these different things. They were locking the doors in fear of the Jews. They, they were a troubled bunch just like us. And it was an assembly of different people that feared. And then Jesus walked in, and the first thing that he said was peace. Because he had been through the suffering and come out of it, and now he's reigning. So to reign with Christ is to have the power to bring the peace of God wherever that you go. It's what happens when those who reign with Christ, there's a power in their speech to lift people out of their depression, out of their oppression, out of their suppression, out of these different things in their life. In John 20, 22, Jesus breathed upon him and said, receive the Holy Ghost. This is where this power comes from. So if you're reigning with Christ, you're not just trying to help somebody out of a situation, but you actually have something from God, from God. And like I said earlier, anybody can stand up and open a Bible and repeat a scripture and, and stand up here and say something from the pulpit to try to encourage somebody. And there's many of you that have been through a lot more than I have 
immeasurably. But what are you doing with this so that God can get all the glory and so that you can come through the suffering and reign with him and have a story, a testimony, not denying his name and overcoming by the blood of the lamb and through those previously things mentioned. Do you want to be used by Christ in this life and not just wait till it's over with so you can reign later in heaven and have all that was promised to you? I want to be able to offer people hope now. But it's, it's through the classroom, I think, of suffering. I'm a, I'm a teacher and there's a lot of things that you have to learn to go to the next level. And unfortunately, in my experience, I think that suffering with Christ is the classroom to reign with Christ. If you find another way, please let us know. But I don't think you will. So today, if you will, just simply trust and believe God. We can take the lights down. We can stand to our feet. If you will start to trust and believe God and really, 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 really believe Romans 8, 28 when it says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. God's gonna give you the power to say, no, devil. I'm not running from this place. I'm not gonna wish that I was a dove and have wings so I could fly far, far away and I could just sit and hang out in the wilderness because I'll just set up camp there. It'll be better there. It won't be. So God will give you the power to be able to do that. And in that, I'm telling you, God is going to reveal himself to you. So it preps us, the church, and gets us ready for what's coming in this nation, for the people that are coming to the doors of New Hope Church and all the other churches, hopefully that preach the word of God in this county, in this state and nation going to give us an attractive testimony of failure, of weakness. I'm, I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, and God has shown me this over the past two or three years, the people of God, and even the ones that have been to this church for a long, long time, and even us, we're going to be coming back to God, not in strength, but in weakness. In weakness. And that is a good place to be knowing that God and God alone is able to build our testimony so that we can bring his name to reputation in this earth, here now, and reign with Christ after suffering with Christ now. So if you have been afflicted with the sickness, if, you're, if you have had a child that has passed away, that is unruly, if you can't handle parenting anymore, if you, have, if you are going through a divorce, if you don't think you're ever going to get married, if you are struggling with a secret addiction, and you see no way out, stop thinking this is as far as I'm going to go and no further, I'll never be free. Stop thinking that and start to embrace where God has you now. Altar call is gonna be a little bit different today. I think maybe because this is the point where God uh, has 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 taken my wife and I, has, I think, taken us individually. The altar call is going to be those of, those of you that are in kind of a, an awful circumstance, no matter what it is, just come up to the altar right now. Just come on up. The second part of this will happen just in a second. Maybe you want to reign with Christ and... and um, you're currently this morning wanting to reign with Christ in the circumstance saying, God, I know I'm not yielding myself to you and I want to reign with you, but I know the only way to reigning with you is embracing where I'm at right now and you getting glory in my life right now. And I don't want you to look for the strength of God outside this place. I don't want you to try to think of, oh, my future will be better. I want you to give him praise and glory in your current situation, in your current job, 
Even if you, I, I want the altar call this morning to be, let's thank him. Let's thank him for where he has us right now. now. I'm not talking about willful sin and willful practice. That's of our own doing. I'm talking about something where you are overwhelmed, you're troubled. And I want you to start to thank him for where you are. That you have a job, maybe that you don't have a job. Thank him that you don't have a job. He knows, he sees, and give him praise in this community, wherever you are, in the job that you're in, in this building, in your home, in your body, in your marriage, in your circumstance. Thank him. You can go ahead and start just 